I guess we're on to sleep apnea, I, I would imagine. And I understand it's kind of like a done deal. I would suspect that, that uh, it will be very rare for drivers from here on out to ever be treated, uh, tested and or treated for sleep apnea unless they truly we want put to so be. much so many hours of work into this it seems uh, almost criminal that it's not making it to the the general eye of the of the certified medical examiners those were two of the voices speaking up during the may 20 meeting of the federal motor carrier safety administration's medical review board which took up the apparently quote-unquote done deal of a revised section of the FMCSA's official handbook for the fine folks who perform DOT physicals all around the country. Uh, the section, in this case, that dealt with the sleep apnea condition. I'm Todd Dills, your host for this June 4 edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast, and as I reported at the time of the Medical Review Board meeting just a couple of weeks ago now, Handbook drafters had made pains in that section to remove a detailed set of screening recommendations that the Medical Review Board had originally come up with in 2016, when FMCSA was considering pursuing rulemaking around the condition. Those recommendations were then in a draft update to the official Medical Examiner's Handbook that came to light about a year ago, but had yet to be officially published as the agency worked on finalizing an update with the Board in an advisory capacity. Handbook drafters as of the May 20 meeting had cut that out, however, with this latest draft, and also had inserted language from a bulletin it issued to examiners years ago that made it abundantly clear that there was no regulation that required sleep apnea driver screening, referrals for testing, or treatment. Board member Michael Kelly worried over that addition in particular. Yeah, I, I think it's necessary to make a comment about the, uh, the sleep apnea. Um, the um, the second paragraph of that um, of this draft it says the uh, the FM CSRS do not include requirements and th that that's the paragraph this this is a, a unique statement in my mind that doesn't uh, isn't included in any of the other guidance in this document it almost singles out uh, the controversies on obstructive sleep apnea and i find it's interesting that the political process has had so much influence on on a medical problem get larry minor longtime fmcsa associated administrator for policy i believe was quick to point out that the statement around what he calls here osa which stands for obstructive sleep apnea that the statement wasn't new to DOT registered medical examiners, as I suggested earlier. That it was in the OSA bulletin that the agency put out, and we are in the process of updating the bulletin. So that really isn't a new statement that we're calling out the fact that there's nothing in the FMCSRs that says you need to screen each and every single driver that comes in for OSA. And we don't have any regulatory criteria that says if you see specific things, you must send them out for an OSA test. There is nothing in the regulations. There never has been. And we did have that statement in the OSA bulletin that was released in 2015. Well, from the agency perspective, we're just very sensitive to this whole topic of OSA because for whatever reason, even though there's no clear compelling data, for whatever reason, 
out of everything that could be wrong with the driver medically, it's the OSA thing that just has become almost nuclear, that it just goes right to the top of the list out of everything that could be wrong. It's OSA, OSA all the time, every channel you turn to, and we're not quite sure how to do anything without causing all kinds of commotion, and we're still not clear why it's OSA more so than anything else. Kelly's concerns, though, were ultimately echoed in degrees by more or less every single medical review board member in attendance. Specifically, his contention that... And this statement here essentially eliminates the ability for the medical examiners to get any testing uh, for obstructive sleep apnea. Even though you can argue that they have the right to do that, this, this eliminates that entirely. As Truckers for a Cause Sleep Apnea Support Group co-founder and longtime driver, Bob Stanton, put it recently, the Medical Review Board seems to have forgotten what Congress mandated through Public Law 113-45. Namely, that FMCSA must go through public notice and comment rulemaking in order to issue any further guidance on the condition when it comes to required or recommended screening, testing, and treatment guidelines for CDL holders. Dr. Kelly went further, though, expressing disappointment over what he predicted would be the reality if this handbook draft was made final. His statement of that disappointment, well, sounded to a lot of truckers in the audience quite differently than the disappointment he wished to convey. You heard it at the top, but here it is again. I would suspect that that, uh, it will be very rare for drivers from here on out to ever be treated, uh, tested and or treated for sleep apnea unless they truly want to be. That, as one owner-operator commenting at Overdrive's Facebook page put it, is exactly as it should be. Look, no one can deny the seriousness of the sleep apnea condition, not only for daily alertness, but long-time health prospects when it goes untreated and or uncured, as it were. I've heard no shortage of stories from individual truckers who simply lost weight and found themselves in short order no longer in need of treatment for the condition given apnea incidents became so infrequent as to be within a normal or mild range, common for a lot of us. So, whatever happens with this handbook, or with FMCSA's future possible further attention to the condition through rulemaking, all the old advice from folks like Bob Stanton and many others still applies. If you feel you may have an apnea issue, take it up with your personal doctor before you're due for your med cert renewal. If you need it, Effectively treating it could add years to your life in the long run. We've got more today. We're going to hear from S2 Transport hotshot small fleet owner Scott Sabatini about a new venture of his, a dispatch service that comes along in the context of more and more owner-operators moving to such services for an assist with spot negotiations. Before I share some of the relevant results from our recent compensation surveying, though, here's a quick word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's one guardcom First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Scott Sabatini, I'm a partner 
of uh, S2 Transport Inc. based out of Toledo, Ohio. It's a hot shot company. But currently we're running four trucks, all of them being 3,500 Dodge Rams with 35 plus five dovetail gooseneck trailers. Our last truck, number four, that we added uh, is our pride and joy right now. It's a 2020 4,500 Dodge Ram. It was a cabin chassis purchase that we had a, a DOT sleeper mounted to the, to the uh, what, do you, what would you call that, to the chassis. And uh, it's got the auxiliary fuel tank, diamond plate, catwalk, fifth wheel. And he's running a 2020 Big Tex trailer with a Conestoga setup on there. All right, we have two flatbeds and two Conestogas. And the, all trucks are running over the road right now, doing very well. That kind of stoga setup, uh, Scott. T- tell me about that. Is, is that some, that's something that you engineered yourself, if my memory is correct? We had to put the plans together. We contracted a company called the Tarp Shop, Tarp Stop. I'm sorry. Yep. They're based out of Perry's, Perrysburg, Ohio. That's and right. And they have... Yep, they have facilities in Taylor, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Indiana as well. So great guys. They did a lot of work. They asked every question, didn't tighten a bolt until, you know, all the specs were meet, met. Uh, really proud of those guys for putting this together for us. Now, that was the first one. The second one was a no-brainer. We went a little bit taller to not have any restrictions on the freight we could carry. Uh, lesson learned with the first one. Okay. But we're looking at probably putting um, dressing the other two out as well. Now, I, I will tell you that some of the freight has been limited or restricted due to the height um, of the Conestogas because they have to be able to slide back and forth and operate. So, you know, there's a, there's competition with, you know, the, the 53-foot uh, Conestogas for weight. And it's it's more of a specialty thing, but with the trailers we have, there's only five foot um, ramps, and those ramps are kind of on a, a a tougher pitch for certain vehicles to get up and down. Yeah, if that makes sense, that makes sense. So you almost need a longer ramp, but you know we're we're looking at that right now. Actually, we're we're flirting with the idea of switching over to PJ trailers. They have um, ramps that actually slide into the the trailer bed themselves instead of having the, the monster ramps that flip yeah so that's that's something we're, we're looking at and we're talking to several people that are using them now to see if you know it'll handle the weight that we're doing and the first version our our learning curve was is eight seven interior height that we're up and the second one is nine yeah nine foot ten interior so our, so our decks are only 30 inches from the ground. So we could have gone all the way up to that, you know, 13.6 limit. But, you know, the, the wind is the, the, the wind is a, a big factor with these trucks because we're not hauling the big weight that the, the 53s are pulling. So right. we have to be careful with that wind and then the lighter weight that we're carrying because it, you'll change lanes before you realize it. <laughs> so you got to be careful. S2 Transport co-owner Scott Sabatini and I were on the horn for a couple of reasons. One was to talk about the Ram 4500 sleeper build you heard him mention there, and 
Keep an eye on our YouTube channel's Custom Rigs playlist and OverdriveOnline.com for more about that. The other reason we were talking though is that Sabatini is in the process of responding to a bevy of bad experiences with independent dispatch providers S2 had in its infancy a few years back. Responding, that is, by going out on his own to do that work himself with a new service he's calling S2 Logistics. As I said earlier, use of dispatching services by independents with their own authority is in fact growing. In the three years since we last surveyed that portion of Overdrive's audience, when 16% of owner-operators were using an independent dispatcher, the percentage has grown by a full fourth to one in every five owner-operators employing a dispatcher. Part of that might be explained by the large number of new owner-operator businesses with authority who've jumped into the spot market in the last year. Whatever the case though, Sabatini and S2 Logistics have a variety of motivations of their own. It's just dispatching for for right now, Todd. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's enough brokers out there, and we have very very dear friends of ours that are brokers. So using those relationships, using our experience, combined experience, I have a general manager named Dan. He's based out of Boston. Um, he set he is setting up um, the dispatchers. We've already set up our business plan. I'm not throwing anybody other than the bus, but you know, we, it, it took us a very long time in the business and we had to go through quite a few dispatch services to, to get to where we're at now, now due to, you know, conflict of interest and, and with our day-to-day employment and in, uh, in availability, time availability. Right. So now, now we're with the great, we're with the great dispatch team, um, for the, for the hot shots. So I took all of the information, the successes, the failures, we've dealt with these other services, and I put them together with actually somebody who used to work for one of the dispatch services we had. Hmm. You know, it was, I watched this guy beat his head off the wall, wanting to do better and better and better, but he wasn't getting support support from the company he worked for. So. Yeah, I always told myself this this guy's a great guy and if I ever have an opportunity I'm I'm gonna bring him on with us. So when we hit our anniversary date, Steve reminded me that we had this plan. The Steve Scott's referring to there is Steve Libertor, co owner with him of S two and a longtime trucking insurance agent regular overdrive readers will recall from prior insurance related coverage. He's currently with Kincaid Insurance Group out of Ohio. And I said, I, well, if you have a second, I'd like to send you this matrix that I've been working on all winter. And he liked it. So we moved forward. And I, I brought on a general manager, Dan. And we have been laying all of the f- brick and mortar. We do have uh, a few trucks already. They're doing very well. One of the things that we do have, we with all these brokers we have, Todd, guys that we've worked with for 25 plus years we're, we have direct relationships with these guys so we're going to get called for coverage before these loads are posted to any board and that's why we're build, trying to build the volume so we can help satisfy these dedicated brokers and and at the same time make these these small fleet owner operators successful one of the pluses that we did when we start first built the company and when I originally came into this industry, I was a, I was a dispatcher a long, long time ago. And I remember 
the workload and the stress that comes along with it. So we actually limit our dispatchers to seven trucks a piece. That is it. Right. Seven trucks is all that dispatcher is going to be responsible for. And that will help him be more meticulous and, you know, dedicated to those trucks, you know, a, a more personal, a more personable approach, you know, versus a spreadsheet. How does the fee structure work for, um, for an independent coming, uh, coming to work with you guys as, uh, with the dispatcher ser- dispatching service? Well, we have, we have a bunch of different platforms that we offer. We have an 8% platform and that is world we're do the logistics coordinating uh the fleet monitoring hours of service compliance booking the loads rate negotiations broker carrier account setups preferred carrier and dedicated lanes available 24-hour carrier support administrative services back office management yeah, okay wow. secure document processing yeah it's a lot and then if we add two more percent make it ten percent then we'll take care of all of the paperwork Meaning, you know, the, the driver completes a load, the dispatch service gave him the rate con. Now he sends his rate con and his delivery receipt to his factoring company. Well, I think the driver needs to be focused on getting to the next pickup and, and bringing in that revenue. So for that 2%, as to logistics, we'll take that responsibility on. So now the carrier is at 10%. Now we can look at this a completely different way. If a fleet owner has five trucks, and he wants as to logistics to dispatch all five of those trucks. The 8% now becomes a 6%. So 6% will do all the dispatching. 8% for that guy, 8% for the guy with two, I'm sorry, with five trucks is now the 6% plus the 2% back office work, all the factoring paperwork, keeping track of the bill of lading, you know, all that paperwork, all the paperwork that a driver really doesn't need to focus on. The other thing that we're bringing to this, and this is in the works, we're not really sure how, right now we just want to help these carriers get started. So as you know, with Steve, we have uh, an incredible resource for insurance. Everything, all trucking insurance requirements, independent contractor insurance requirements, non-trucking insurance, occupational accidental insurance, physical damage, the safety and compliance. Right now, you know, instead of the broker calling a driver or maybe having to download different apps for tracking and what have you, we have we will have access to that carrier's ELD. So we'll be able to monitor, we'll be able to plot ETAs and what have you, availability in advance. Right. We, don't, we don't have to bother the fleet owner all the time. We don't have to bother the truck driver. You know, last thing we want him to do is to be on the phone and not paying attention to the road. So we can take over that responsibility as well. Now I can't help you. I mean, I can, I can train you and I can do, you know, a mock audit on your organization to prepare you for a DOT audit or a new entry audit or whatever you need, whatever you need. But I, I can't be there and do it for you, you know, but I can give you the tools and teach you how to be successful yourself. So that's, that's one of the things. So I'm not really promoting that. Have you done mock auditing and as part of your work in the past? <clears throat> oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. When, you know, I, I, I've built now two, 
very big companies in the Detroit metropolitan area here. So one of the things that I am I'm finding with these guys too, and and I'm not I'm not trying to correct anybody. If you if you think this is the correct way to do it, maybe you might want to ask somebody else's opinion. But I'm watching a lot of these small fleets pay their company drivers on a 1099 with you know that fine line between a contractor and an employee. I, I just really want these guys because when you go through the entry audit and they look at your payroll and you're paying on the 1099 but you're telling the guy where to go, what time to start, and it's your equipment. He's an employee. And and I don't I don't want to see these small guys get crushed by, you know, those these guidelines. So it's in their best interest to reach out to an accountant or uh, an attorney in the in the in the transportation industry and ask those questions. Right. It, you know, nobody wants to pay employer taxes, but if, if you want to be successful, you, you have to do everything the right way and buy the book. Yeah. They might just take a little bit longer, but you'll get there if you do it right. These are subjects, of course, we've covered well before. When the state tax compliance departments and the IRS come calling about those 1099 drivers, depending on the jurisdiction you're in, it could well be a hefty price tag you're looking at. Not to mention workers' comp auditors, which Sabatini did mention too, and unemployment compensation rules as well. With, with the logistics, so we can do, we can do flatbed, reaper and dry van and power only and we have a page anybody can contact us like via linkedin if if that's how they have it we we haven't really subscribed to any other social media platform as of yet but um if they you know you'll have our our contact information if they if they see it um that way or our linkedin is just s2 s the number two transport I'm sorry, Link. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Logistics Inc. But they can find us either way. Transport is on LinkedIn. Logistics is on LinkedIn. I just thought it'd be a good idea, Todd. You know, we're not trying to get rich. We're just trying to help these guys and save them from getting taken advantage of. That's that's been our model since we started. You know, yeah. that's that's the way. That's the model we built this company on. That's the model that we're we're building. You know, S2 Logistics on. You know, we really pride ourselves. You know, on integrity. And you know, operating with excellence, it's right. it's just it's a, it's one of those. At the end of the day, how do you feel about yourself? You know, can you can you can you cheat these people and sleep? So, sure, there's too much of that going on. Yeah, too much. So we try to be a refuge and a, a safe place for for drivers to come and have a good quality of life. Again, that's S2 Logistics and Hot Shot Hauler S2 Transport. Find them on LinkedIn and or via links in the show notes to the post that houses this podcast at overdriveonline.com. And it wouldn't be a serious discussion with a small fleet owner these days without mention of the ABC test out in California and in some forms on the national level about the floated notion of vehicle miles traveled tax and other potential pressures on small businesses, would it? Here's how Sabatini started in response to a question about the potential net effect of the ABC test, possibly when it comes to the dispatch services business-to-business relationships with its clients. We're, we have a vetting process for the logistics. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we're, we'll help everybody, but it might be a couple of weeks before we can actually start dispatching your truck because we're going to want to vet your entire operation. We want to make sure that the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and you're in a good position to actually be on the road. So we we have that service is automatic. 
that that service is automatic. We're going to go through. We build a profile for the carrier. We 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 list all accommodations that the drivers have. Even if the carrier isn't hazmat doors endorsed, but that driver actually spent the time and money to get hazmat, we we list that. We build value in the companies, and we we create a very nice profile for these guys. So I think with the the ABC in California, I think that's going to hinder a lot of people and they're going to be afraid to, 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 you know, play with California. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm waiting to see what Congress is going to do yeah. the final word. I'm, I'm also watch, watching this mile tax thing that's being entertained again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see what Buttigieg can, can push. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we're, we pay a lot. You know, for supplying, for keeping the country going, it seems like, you know, we get the whip. We get that sugar cane. We get the cane pole across our backs more than any other industry. It's, it's impossible. A lot of restrictions. A big thanks to Sabatini for his time and to you for listening. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive extra contributor and Muller trucking hauler, Paul Marhofer. Overdrive Editorial Director Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and News Editor Matt Cole. And though owner-op Steve Johnson might well disagree with the application of the label. But I'm not king of the road. I'm not a super trucker. I'm not an outlaw. I'm, don't, don't title me a professional either. As an adverb, I still like it. Until next time, keep it pro out there, everybody. We'll see you next week.